Before the next episode of XJob Downloaded starts, I have a big favour to ask. If you've enjoyed any of our episodes so far, please can you click on the follow button on your platform. I'm on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon and YouTube. It costs nothing to follow, but makes a real difference to me as a podcast producer. Thank you. This morning, um, I've got the absolute privilege of interviewing uh, Don Shepherd. Now, Don is 102 years old, a Normandy veteran. If I get emotional, I apologise now, Don, because it is an absolute honour. I've I've had the privilege of meeting a number of different people through my life in the police service, and this has got to be probably the highlight for me. Um, I've known you indirectly for a long time. I, I know your, your daughter, and... Um, I'm really grateful to her for introducing us and get, getting me the opportunity to come and speak to you today. So, Don, welcome. We, we call this X Job Downloaded. The reason we do that is because it's the um, what did you do in the war, granddad scenario. You know, I, I didn't do that with my grandfathers. Yeah. Um, my granddad was born in 1920, as were you. And I'm just, you know, I want to download your memories as to your early life and going through the Second World War and beyond. So, Don, without further ado, thank you very much for letting me interview you today. Um, let's start. Don Shepherd, born in May, May the 4th, 1920. Yeah. So what was that? You know, where were you then? Where, where were your family in 1920? Well, we, uh, we were living in the village of uh, Langdon, um, which is prior to the new town that's been built afterwards, you know. Um, my dad uh, was a Londoner and he moved down here uh, with his sister and um, met my mum who worked in a pub. <laughs> she worked in a pub called the Langdon Hotel and uh, they met and um, eventually... I uh, got married and I was born in um, in the village, you know. Uh, in Langdon Village. Langdon Village. Which yeah. is now effectively Basildon, isn't it? It's part of Basildon. Well, it is now, yeah. yeah. It, it's, uh, and um, after that it was uh, I went to uh, infant school and then eventually went to the main school in uh, Langdon High Road, which was the Langdon High Road School. And as probably everybody knows we left school early in them days. I was 14 wow. when I left. And uh, um, <clears throat> unfortunately, my dad, who worked in the London docks, um, got very ill and uh, he came out of the docks late. <clears throat> and uh, I can tell you quite honestly, we were very poor at that time. Yeah. Very poor. And he contacted uh, what they call consumption, uh, which eventually killed him, yeah. Oh, okay. And he died when I was 16. He was 46. Wow. So which left mum and my sister, me. And um, I started to go out of work at 15, uh, I borrowed, I borrowed one of Dad's hats and went out and uh, worked with a plasterer, actually. That's, that was my first job. There you go. Knocking up the stuff, you know. and uh, With lime? Well, that's that type of thing followed me. I, I, I never had a proper trade and uh, I was a jack-of-all-trades, master of none, really. Um, and so uh, <laughs> during my growing up from 14... I had various various jobs until uh, I arrived at uh, when I was twenty, and of course uh, the war had started in thirty nine. So uh, I was uh, conscripted. Really, I I did volunteer for the navy when I was eighteen. I went up to Whitehall 
uh, for examination and, um, and they failed me on my eyes, although they, you know. How bizarre. That's right. But they didn't worry about that when I, <laughs> when I was 20, <laughs> when I got called up. So I was conscripted and... Um, uh, what was that? What was that like, Don? I mean, you, you're 20 years old. You're sitting at home, and an envelope comes through the door. I suppose, and they say, "Well, there you go. There's your papers." Is that how it works? I mean, well, it, I mean, all the, all my mates had already gone joined, and to me, it was like an adventure. I suppose you know, yeah. you could call it that way. I, I wasn't bothered. Mum and my sister, they didn't like the fact that I was going, but um, yeah, so. To me, it was a new. We were full of it. Um, I got I got on a train to Colchester, and met some other guys that was being called up as well. There was about half a dozen of us, and we had a little coach took us to uh, the uh, barracks in Colchester, and we was all laughing and joking and. <laughs> when we walked through those big iron guys, that was the last time. <laughs> because so, so I suppose that but the, the news, the war was taking place. You're a year into the war. Yeah. But the news was quite um delayed. You weren't getting the like now, if you put the television on now, you you put on Sky, you've got it all as it happens. But then what was that like for you from a news perspective? What did you actually know that was going on? Well, uh, looking at it, it was a peak of when uh, uh, when the Germans had reached the coast and it, it was likely that they were going to do it, invade us. Right. You know, and so we were on duty once we'd gone through a lot of disciplinary stuff. Um, we had to go out and guard a lot of the stuff in the area, you know, okay. beside the the um, the guys, and so it was, yeah, it, it was all new to us. But the feeling was still—you never thought of anything seriously. It was an adventure, really. Yeah. So, uh, and what regiment did you join at that time? I was a Royal Engineer. Royal Engineers. Yeah, but it was it was the uh, Royal Engineers. Um, Place where you learn, you know. All the, it was it was really funny because um, I went through all, all the lifting mines, building bridges, doing all the things that engineers do. Yeah, the rest of it. And I finished up when um, we eventually went to North Africa. We landed in Algiers, and uh, the sergeant come up to me. He said. Um, Mark Shepherd, he said, uh, can you ride a motorbike? I said, no, sir, I can't, he said. Well, you can now. He said, there's a motorbike. <laughs> we need a dispatch rider. <laughs> we need a dispatch rider. Uh, he said, there it is. And so I became a dispatch rider. So take me back then. Where did you set sail from? When you left for North Africa, where did you, where did you sail from? Um, Algiers, we were in the first. But you arrived in Algiers. But where did you did you leave from the UK, or did you? Well, it was all. It, what happened? We, the Americans also landed with us in Algiers, right, you know, okay. and um, it was pretty secretive, really. That uh, very that they didn't know we was going to invade Sicily, and um, if you had anybody had seen the film of. The man who never was. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That was that was part of the strategy that the government used. Uh so they did they wouldn't know that we were gonna attack Sicily. So so you've you've sailed from the UK to um North Africa? Uh yeah, that's right. So yeah, you sail there Algiers. and then you go into North Africa. What year was that, Don? Do you remember? Uh well it was just the beginning of forty uh, three. Right, okay. Actually, yeah. Uh, so you go in with an expeditionary force into North Africa? Well, we were doing at that time, um we were joining what they called combined operations. Right. Because they tried a lot of that previously along the French coast and that you know. And so we worked with the Navy uh, quite a bit. And then what happened, I was in uh, 
a film company called the 107 Film Company Royal Engineers. Right. And uh, once we uh, left uh, Algiers, we made our way towards um, made our way t- towards the coast of um, I can't even name it now. Anyway, uh, it was part of the part of the advanced uh, before our landing on Sicily. You know? Okay. Um, in fact, I, I I was on a we had engineers that were uh, could dive underwater and go up to the sand and get the get a reading of how how the sand was. Right. Okay. For stuff going on, you know. So you could build bridges and build, yeah. put put uh, permanent structures or structures on there without it sinking. That's right. Yeah. So you you go through North Africa. What, did you, was there much fighting taking place in North Africa or what? what no, what was it was uh, actually. We joined up with the Highland Division, okay. who had just come from El Alamein. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, the old desert and that is, we'd all the, the objective was to drive the Germans out of North Africa altogether. Right, okay. And so um, we, just a little incident, I was on a, a destroyer and we was I was helping with the guys that were, Diving under and testing the sand, mm-hmm. and um, one of the navy guys come. He said, um, "It's um, rum time." He said, <laughs> "Would you like a rum?" Sort of rum. It, it issued a rum, so that was my first job. Of rum. <laughs> I bought a boat. Oh, brilliant! Brilliant. But anyway, we, we um, the other the other funny thing was. Um, on the morning or, or the late evening, uh, we got on a landing ship tank in Seuss, uh, a, a town called Seuss. Right. Be- beautiful day. And uh, we're all standing up there and the skipper of the landing car lo- opened and left the ramp down and guys were going in swimming, you know. And... Uh, my mate was standing with me, we were looking at me. He said, you're going in, Don. I said, no, I can't swim. That was a fatal thing to say, I'll tell you. <laughs> they got hold of me and threw me in the water down. Fantastic. Yeah. But uh, anyway, we set off uh, in a convoy um, and it was the worst night they'd ever had in the Mediterranean. Right, okay. The storms, the boats was going up there. In fact, the boat in front of us caught a light and he sank. And my mate who I met afterwards, Ronnie Coyer, he was an Italian. It, when you, when you uh, jumped out of a boat, if anything happened, you had a May West. Yes. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. you had to hold the, the top of the May West down. Right. But Ronnie didn't. And he... he it, he jumped in the water and unconscious, you know. Oh, wow. But they got him out and yeah. he, he survived. And a Mae West, for those people that are listening, that's um, a life jacket, basically. It's a, yeah, that's right, yeah, a, a life it, jacket. It's an inflatable yeah. life jacket. Yeah. And it, would, it would keep you buoyant whilst yeah. you've got all your, your backpack and yeah, weapons right. with you. So anyway, we set off and eventually in the early hours of the morning uh, landed on the shores of uh, Sicily. Uh, there wasn't much resistance because the Italians... Uh, the Germans had got the Italians guard in it and they were actually on the point of giving up. Surrendering. Surrendering. Yeah. So, and um, it was the, the the campaign in Sicily was, it was tough in part, but uh, it only took um, 39 days, I think it was. Right. And the, Amer- <laughs> the Americans beat us to... Um, to the capital, uh, they they were on our left flank and they went round. And so um, we thought we was going to go into Italy. But, right. Um, and while we was there, I caught malaria. Uh, oh, crikey. Very, very bad. 
We was billeted in a vineyard, actually, <laughs> um, near the shore. And, um, yeah, uh, it was... So how did they deal with that? I mean, you, you're, we're talking, a, you know, a while ago. You've got malaria. You're in a, what, did you go to a field hospital or how did they... How did they no, think? no, we had a South African doctor in our unit that I was with and uh, he was never sober. He was drunk all the time. <laughs> but he, um, we never had, <coughs> uh, we never had stuff. He, we never had a complete way of getting tablets. You know? No, no, of course. And um, what he had was Mayan Baker's big tablets. They were. <coughs> Like horse tablets. Yeah. And he, he overdosed me with them when I was sweating. Oh, God. And uh, we were moving to a boat to come back to Britain and they put me on the side of a gun carrier, covered me up with. And uh, anyway, I survived it, which was a good thing. So you sailed back from Sicily back to the UK? Yeah. That was... Um, November forty three, about this this time of the year. I mean, given that the the activity of the U boats and things like that, um, traveling by water, traveling anyway, isn't wasn't particularly good. Yeah. But how did you feel? Let's go back to to going into Sicily. How did you feel as you're crossing that that choppy water? What was going through your mind? Because you don't know what you're going into. I couldn't think of anything. I was sick as a dog. Tied myself to a bollard and that was it. <laughs> but, I mean, some, I can tell you quite, the sea hates me. I'm not a good sailor. You're not. Well, no. it's probably just as well you didn't join the Royal Navy then. <laughs> no, you're right. <laughs> so you've you've sailed back to the UK. Yeah. Do you, do you remember the journey or how long that took to get back from Sicily to, um, to no. the UK? No, I think it was about a week or something. Right, we, okay. we landed in the Clyde. Oh, did you? Up went up in to Scotland. Scotland, yeah. And um, obviously, we knew that something big was coming up, but it was secret that we was. And what they done? They put us straight on trains, all of us, and brought us down south to London, round the London area. Right. Okay. Essex area. We were billeted all around that way. And you're still with the fiftieth? Was it fifty first? Fifty first. Yeah, well, that's a strange thing, really, because um, I joined. Um, I didn't tell you before, but when we landed in Sicily, uh, the sergeant come up to me. He says, "Right, get your bike." He said, "There's a jeep over there, and in that jeep is Lieutenant Colonel of the uh, Highland Division Engineers." Right, and he needs communication as a dispatch rider. Yeah. Okay. And so, uh, and you can ride a motorbike by this point, can't you? Yeah. Yeah. And I went over to him, got introduced to him, and he had a a radio operator in the jeep at the back. But bearing in mind that radio communication wasn't all that good. No. And not only that, the Germans had tapped it and could read. Yeah. So he he was a he was a great guy. This. Uh, he was due for retirement anyway. He'd been in the First World War. And he um, uh, used to take me, I used to follow him. If we were visiting uh, any, one of the, um, any one of the companies of the engineers that were doing something, yep. building bread, lifting water, he would go there. And there's at times where I had to leave the bike and follow him. And we'd be crawling up to where it was, and he'd get the necessary information, and he'd scribble it down or whatever. And I used to dispatch it back to uh, headquarters, right? Divisional headquarters or whatever, you know. Fascinating. So, bit of job. Anyway, when the campaign finished in Sicily, I got called into the office, and the adjutant. He said. Um, You've been very good, um, Shepherd, he said, and um, we'd like to keep you. I said, I've oh, got an option. So he said, <laughs> well, your company are asking for you back. 
we're going to send your bike back, he said, but if you want to stay with us, you can, which I did. Oh, wow. I stopped because I'd made mates in there. Yeah, of course. You know what I mean? And that's how I got back, you know, back to England. That's brilliant. The um, What you're explaining to us here is so huge that I can't quantify it because, as I said earlier on, this is about social history. What you're delivering now, there's a lot of people that won't know or won't understand. And then in 100 years' time when they're listening to this, these memories will, you know, this is building social history basically. Because there's lots of books, isn't there, about the, the things that you've done. Oh, but goodness, yeah. the, the human element that you're delivering now is, is second to none. So you're back in the UK. You're now in London. Well, we was down in Slough, actually, Slough, right, around, okay. that, around that area, you know, and uh, um, we were in, like, they'd commandeered um, one of these posh estates for us, you know. Okay. And that's where we stayed. Stately then. home type thing. Yeah. They did a lot of that, didn't they? They commandeered all these that's big right. houses and they could yeah. build people easily yeah, and uh, right. they had plenty of space for vehicles and train yeah. and what have you. So we're now getting into December. I suppose six, uh, 43, is it around that time that you were back in the yeah, UK? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Then we, we, after that, we started seriously like uh, waterproofing the vehicles and stuff like that ready. We knew we were going to do an invasion, but we didn't know where or okay. whatever. You know, it was a- so when you say waterproof, what, what, what could you do? I mean, how could, how did you, what were you actually doing? You, you're trying to get them ready to, to go through water, basically. That's right. I mean, that well, stupid, they didn't but. know. It, they were a failure anyway in the end. But, um, yeah, it, 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 it was a tough time. We'd done a lot of uh, practising. In fact, we went back up into Scotland and we'd done a dummy run uh, on the coast from one co- side of the coast of Scotland uh, uh, Arbroath. Right. Uh, and no lights. We made a landing, presumably. Yeah. And then we had to make our way with the convoy straight across to the other side of the. Wow. So you had all the landing craft up there? Did, or did, what, what, you know, what did that actually No, look we like? didn't have landing craft. No, right. Okay. We assume we'd already landed. Already landed. Okay. Right, and we're making our way straight through. And to how the many other... people were involved in that as a training exercise? We had a big. We had a big convoy of us, you know. Right. And then we went back down to London and our last uh, place we were at Cambridge. We was billeted at Cambridge. Oh, okay. And um, from there, uh, getting towards um, D-Day, they moved us on to Wansley's Flats, you know, in London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and we were in... Under canvas there, you know? right? And uh, I foolishly, I had my first marriage, you know. And uh, my wife came up, and um, with my sister, and uh, met uh, Ronnie, and we were going to go the following Saturday. We were going to go to the West End and dance and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. But what happened is, which I thought was pretty stupid, they issued us with French money. <laughs> There's a clue there, then, isn't there? <laughs> How the hell they thought we was going to spend it, you know what I mean? Yeah, not many shops open when That's you get right. there. That's right. So what, it, that finished it. It, it. Nobody could get near us at all, you know. Right, okay. So <clears throat> virtually I landed on D-Day with what I stood up in. <laughs> wow. So let let. Let me take you back then. So you're now you're in Wanstead, Wanstead Flats. Yeah. You've, you've got the whole brigade with you, platoon, whatever, mm-hmm. and you get the order. That's right. Okay. You've done your training. You're prepared. You don't know what you're prepared for though. No. Although they've got French money, so there's a slight clue there. Well, yeah, we we no, we we, brief, we were briefed as as what was going to happen, you know. And what did that look like? So the briefing. You, I mean, I've seen Band of Brothers. And they stand up there and they, they shout loudly. What was your briefing like before you actually started your, your well, journey? Well, first of all, the, the first problem we had, we had to go down to London Docks uh, where we went aboard a American Liberty ship. They were ships that they made quickly right. uh, 
to take us down, you know. And this is at London Docks? London Docks. So George V and all down there. Yeah, but the, the, the problem we had there, the dockies wouldn't load our stuff on the, on the boats. Really? No. Why was that? They just refused to do it. I don't know what the reason was, but uh, we our guys had to load their own own... vehicles on their wow. ourselves and stuff. You know. Anyway, we set off uh, in. Well, I can read it on there because I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, please. You've got some prompts there, mate. So yeah. you just you just use those. It's yeah, um... it's um. Yeah, we joined a convoy of convoy of ships, uh, American Liberty ships at London docks. And sailed down the Thames and uh, through the Straits of Dover to a point about 10 miles off the French coast um, with a code name of Piccadilly Circus. Wow. Right? Who gave out the code names? They yeah. just they just came out. Yeah. And to transfer onto landing craft for a run into the breach, which was named Juno. Our role in this attack was to support a Canadian assault force which had already landed and taken lots of casualties. Do you want to ask me anything? Yeah, so so um, you're sailing down, and to put it in perspective, Normandy's quite a quite a trip, isn't it? You're not. It's not like going to Calais where you're just going across no, a no, very no. short trip. No. You're going down to the Normandy beaches. Right. So you're now twenty four, just twenty four, and. How were you feeling when you're on that when you you're doing that transfer onto a landing craft, and you know that there's heavy fire taking place on the beaches? This is D one as well, isn't it? You're on the, this is on the first first day. So how did you feel as you as you made that transition from the American vessel onto the landing craft? What was that? What was the feeling? Well, if I if I can tell you, I think that um, most of us, in fact, nearly all of us had fear, but because you didn't want to show it, you, you start trying to be a bit macho, you didn't show it. Yeah. Nobody said anything, but I can tell you uh, it was... Terrifying. It was really terrifying. And yeah. I've been to Juno. I mean, there's a massive cross on the beach now and, you know, it's quite... My uncle was... He may have even landed you there. You know, he was a landing craft yeah. pilot with the Royal Marines. Um and it's very humbling when you when you go to the beaches. Oh my life! If anybody's listening to this, if you haven't been, just make it a once in a lifetime. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll just continue. Our yeah. journey to the beach had also been very, very bad. The area was very rough. We had been fired on by uh, German fighter planes, and also lost one of our Liberty ships to the German shore batteries as we was going through the uh, Straits of Dover. Oh, right. Yeah. So the, you'd already lost one vessel as you were the, coming The across. vessel behind us wow. got a direct hit from the shore batteries, yeah. Wow. And it went. Uh, the other thing, transferring from our ship to a landing craft was another hazard. Climbing down a rope ladder uh, with the high seas Pounding the sides of both boats was difficult. Several of our company fell in the water, but luckily was uh, hauled out by the ship's crew. The rest of the journey to the beach was a nightmare. There was lots of battleships uh, laying down a huge barrage of fire over our heads and... Converted boats, blazing rockets as well. Also, we were getting return fire from German batteries behind the beaches. Finally, we reached our section of Juno Beach. The getting ashore was hazardous. The tide had not fully came in and our landing craft could not get right into the beach. Our first vehicle, a staff car, with an officer and a driver, uh, landed half in the water and sank. Fortunately, both got out, but the car completely disappeared. Disappeared. So, 
I mean, I know it's, you've got a fantastic memory, and I'm really grateful. But the sights, the sounds, the smells, the noises—what was that? What was going on as you are arriving? What is going on around you? Well, obviously, they they asked me about this. Um, it's going to be quite different. We had what was the name of that flower? There was a particular flower that was growing on the top and the smell of that. Really? Like a jasmine type, a very fragrant. That's right. You smell that. When you say but, growing on the top, where where was it? When you when you Well, uh, when we when we came off the beach. Came off the beach. And went up the top there. But also there was the smell of cool diet, uh, you know, from the guns. Guns, yeah. And um Smell of bodies that were lying about there, you know. Yeah, but that was and it. that was. I mean, that's hard to visualise that the amount of people that had been killed was just unreal. Yeah, yeah. I, I was the second one to land, and. I was in a staff uh, in a scout car, uh, perched in the turret, with a brain gun mounted, ready for action. My driver, who decided to get off the boat fast to avoid sinking, and we hit the water with a big splash, and both got soaked, drowning <laughs> wet. You know, uh, the rest of the company followed without an incident. It was imperative that we got off the beach as quick as. Uh, possible. The enemy had zeroed in on the beach with heavy artillery fire and there was a lot of casualties with the Canadian assault troops, lots of bodies were lying about with wounded being attended to. The brigade that my company was attached to was ordered to, uh, having cleared the beach, contact the Canadian advance units to see if they needed any assistance in their advance towards Khan, the objective for the first day. However, they didn't need, as we were directed elsewhere, to assist 6th Airborne Division, who had already captured an important bridge over the Orne River, later called Pegasus Bridge, a symbol uh, of 6th Airborne. So you've arrived. There's absolute carnage going on. You've got Canadian Task Force, the Assault Force, they've taken heavy casualties. You're now coming under immense fire from the heavy artillery from the Germans. Yeah. And you make it through and are directed to Pegasus Bridge, probably the most iconic part of the Normandy landing. Yeah, it was. It really was. On the night of the day, we were dug in in a wooded area not far from the bridge. During the late evening, we were heavily bombed from the air with butterfly bombs, a type that exploded about 20 feet off the air, spreading shrapnel over the place. Not a very pleasant, I can tell you. Of course, I can only imagine. Me and my mate, we, where we were parked, it was night, you know. And they, an um, American um, scat, um, American uh, track vehicle was in there. Yeah. And we got underneath that. And somebody said, better get out of here a bit sharpish. It's loaded with explosive. Oh, crikey. Ready to blow the bridge. The engineers of the uh, airborne guys yep. had cleared it. Um but we were going to blow it up if the Germans got in. Started to advance. Yeah, that's right. Within the next few days, the rest of the division arrived to start with the other forces to defend and attack an area which <coughs> is known as the Triangle. Right. The Triangle was a big area which uh, the, America, the Germans had taken over this big factory which was pretty high. Okay. And they were using it as an OP 
Yeah. And they they were really knocking hell out of the rest of it. The Orne River, which had several bridges, uh, which were destroyed to stop the German tanks from getting through to the beach. And so, uh, can I just summarise now? Mate, you've got, this is your opportunity. You (laughs) say what you've got, you want to say. I'm I'm in absolute awe. And so the battle went on and very difficult in trying to fight our way out of Normandy. And it wasn't until in the middle of August 1944 that all the Allies that had landed on D-Day managed to break out and continue to fight our way through Belgium, Holland and finally into Germany, where the war ended in May 1945. My division alone lost 9,000 killed, wounded and missing from D-Day to V-Day. I was very lucky to survive World War II and this month, November, Remembrance Day, I will be paying my respects to those who gave their lives for their sovereign country. And then I got the prize. They shall grow not old as we that are left grow old. Age shall not worry them, nor the years condemn. And they're going down the sun, and in the morning, we will remember. We that. will, mate. What can I say? Well, <coughs> I have got some more questions of you, Governor. So yeah, certainly. I cool. try not to cry too much. Hey, you were right. So this young man is in Normandy, and this is all happening around him. His mates, um, you're taking fire every day. I assume that there's some form of skirmish taking place yeah. with the, with the Germans because right. they're not going to give up lightly, are they? This is probably one of the most strategic parts of the of the war. That's right. Um, the other beaches are coming under under fire. You've got Gold Sword, Utah. They're all. What was the camaraderie like with with the Americans, with the Canadians? How how was that working, you know, for you? Well, it was very good, really, because um, the Americans, uh, as you know, had landed on Utah and Omaha beaches, and the plan um, was to encircle some some of the. German divisions had broken through and actually had nearly reached the coast. Oh, right. They nearly split us up. Yeah. Uh, from uh, in between uh, uh, oh, Sword Beach and Juno Beach, yep. which is 10 miles between us. You know. Yeah. Um, they had tried to get to between that and luckily they were uh, got rid- they didn't manage it at all, but um, it, um, it it was. I don't know. How I remembered such <laughs> a. It was it was shattering, really. Yeah. So you you've you've moved through France, and France is liberated, isn't it? You know that. What what's the when when you first arrived there? What was the response from the French public? How did they? How did they welcome you? <laughs> With bottles of champagne, <laughs> hugs and kisses off of the women, and uh, yeah, it was, it was, they were they were they were great. With Don, I wouldn't expect anything less from you, mate. I've I've seen your party, and I would imagine that the champagne went down particularly well. So you're these these people because they've been living under this tyranny, haven't they? They've had the you know the Nazis have taken over their homes. They've done some horrendous things there. Um, you, you you describe how you go through through France, but how do you actually make the jur- the journey into Germany? You, you're driving in convoys, or how does that look? Well, we we uh, <coughs> once we broke out in August, um, we were joined uh, by another division. And we made our way up the west side of France towards um, uh, uh, the port, one of the big ports there. I can't okay. And, um, Le Havre and all, all Le Havre, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we made our way up to Le Havre. And, and uh, a lot of people 
really uh, don't know the history of the division that I was in, but um, my 51st Highland Division that I was in, um, they were the ones at uh, Calais uh, during the evacuation of Dunkirk. Right. And they, <coughs> the whole division uh, just stood their ground as uh, – and they all got captured at the end of the day and they had to march through to, um, including the, the colonel, the general. And um, some of them escaped, uh, but most of them. Anyway, what happened was at St. Valerie, where they, it was a coastal town just before you get to Calais, um, they had stood their ground there until they got captured. So on the, on our way, on our advance up that coast, we got to St. Valerie. Montgomery took my division out of the battle and we had a memorial service. At right. the, there, was a, there was a big monument there and that's where we had a service on that day. Wow. And then we continued on to uh, uh, towards Holland uh, where we, my division, we went into Holland and um, we performed it <laughs> in the Bridge Too Far. Right, okay. Which was a failure in always. So you were part of that as well? Oh, yeah. And then from there we... Um, we went to. What was that? Can I just say what was that like? I mean, you've got because the the iconic film is the parachutes coming in, and there's all sorts. Of, I mean, what was what was that like? To... Terrible, terrible. I stood there and watched Polish paratroopers getting shot in the air, slaughtered in the air. We couldn't move. We were at Nijmegen. That's as far as we got, and uh, all the tanks were lined up, ready to go and relieve the guys who were at the bridge, but they never made it. And uh, the the Polish paratroopers came in, uh, and they were just being shot out of the air. You know, it was terrible, heartbreaking. It, it it was a failure. It was a big failure on on the on our uh, intelligence. Right. And it, and it was a bridge too far. Well, that's right. Yeah. Not only that, the the local. Uh, Dutch uh, people that were fighting against, you know, the the resistance. Resistance, yeah. yeah. Uh, we've seen the, the film, which is true. They'd seen these tanks in these woods, right, and reported it, and the guy ignored it. The one who they was, ignored the intelligence that was did. coming through. The film was pretty true about that, right? But he ignored it, right, and that's why I mean. There was one single road towards uh, Arnhem and our tanks were lined up and, it, and uh, no, it was just, anyway, it was Christmas time. The, the good part about it was <laughs> we were. You're quite resilient, Don, I've got to say. I, I, this, uh, but, no, yeah. we, 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 we were stationed just the other side of Nijmegen Bridge. Right. It's a little island there that they, but the Germans had flooded it all around there. And we were billeted in a church. And further down was the American, uh, American, oh, I can't think of the name of them, but they, they had a headquarters there. Right, okay. Guy. And they come up and invited us down for a drink. <laughs> and so uh, we all went down there and we had, First time I'd had hash browns and stuff like Fantastic. that. Fantastic. Yeah. And then one of them said, oh, sorry, we can't offer you a drink. But one of the other guys said, hang on. He said, I'll know where we can get some. So they got on a – they had a little boat outside that they got in, rode across to this where there was Bowles Gem Factory. Oh, wow. And they come back with a, a carboy <laughs> full of gin. <laughs> I needn't say any more, really. No tonics. <laughs> no tonics, no lemon, <laughs> just neat gin. That's right. Yeah, it was good. Fantastic. And uh, anyway, after that, um, um, 
we were Christmas time. We'd got ourselves a because uh, a lot of the local farms had been evacuated, right? Uh, and so there was uh, animals flying about, their pigs and whatever. Yeah, Dinner. and we'd got ourselves one for Christmas, big pig for dinner, and. Uh, our chef said he didn't know much about <laughs> so <laughs> it hung up, you know. I shaved it off with a cutthroat razor. Oh, did you? <laughs> got it already? It all ready. But once I got it ready, there was a panic. Uh, we had a guy come up and say that the Germans had broke through in the Ardennes. Right. And we had to go down the whole division to uh, guard uh, Brussels and around that area, right. you know, so. Wow. So that put that scuppered your Christmas a, a little bit. It did. We didn't have any Christmas. Uh, <sighs> and we uh, got attached to the American uh, 10th Army. Right. Uh, because uh, where the Americans were between them and us it had been very weak. Right. And the Germans had broken through there with all the tanks, you know what I mean? Yeah. So you've gone through Belgium and you're now heading into Germany. Yeah. What was that like? You're going into enemy terror. You're in you're in areas where people are delighted to see you. They want your help. Yeah. You're now starting to move into an area where they're the enemy for all intents and purposes. And we have got to understand that not every German was the enemy. There were a lot of Germans who didn't want to be living under that rule. Anyway, so you're liberating them, but what was that like? Well, it, it was strange, really. I mean, I was a royal engineer, and um, when we uh, got into Germany, uh, I wasn't allowed on the bike because we were snipers' targets. Yeah, right. Okay. So I had a jeep, and I was driving along uh, in this jeep, and. Um, Suddenly, out of some bushes came this German, um, yeah. And I thought, I'm in trouble here, mate. <laughs> <laughs> my breath, my stain gun was in the on the back, you know. I couldn't get out of it. anyway. He looked pretty old, and he was sort of giving it, got his hands up, he surrendered, giving himself up, you know. And he came up, and uh, I stopped and opened the door, and he got in alongside me, and he was put his gun in the back and and um, I gave him a fag and I lit him up. He'd had enough if he'd finished. That's incredible. That I mean, I'm visualising that now. You know, there's, there's a 24-year-old Don driving through Germany, yeah. the r- rural Germany, and um, this German surrenders to him and gets in the car with him and has a fag. Yeah, well, that... <laughs> The strange part, well, the strange part about it was what what we had was uh, because a lot of Germans were giving themselves up. Um, various places they had a big wire cage where they were putting them in, you a know, reception prison type yeah. place. And uh, I took this, uh, took him into one of them, and and I got registered as capturing. <laughs> How funny. It was a big laugh when I got back to headquarters, wasn't it? You know? Yeah, of course. Oh, of course, Don's caught a prisoner. Yeah. That's brilliant. That's yeah, brilliant. So so you're, you're in Germany and it's well documented that the Germans were on their knees by the end of the war. Financially, um, they had nothing in the shops. They'd been, you know, they were in a hell of a state. How did you feel when you're, when you're seeing all of this? Well, I thought... You know, it was it was still pretty tough going. I mean, there was a few German divisions that gave us up. We uh, finished eventually just uh, near Hamburg. Right. We was at a place called um, oh, I can't think of the name of it now. But we we were in German barracks there. Okay. And um, virtually quite near there is where Montgomery took the. Took the um, VE day. The surrender, the final surrender, surrender. Yeah, not far from there. May the 8th. And, um, yeah, it, it, the, I mean, the, this 
barracks that we were in, it was emptied and we'd taken it over. But the village was absolutely starving. Yeah. They were, they were pleading with us to give them food. You know? Wow. In fact, we had to put guards on at night because they were raiding our stores, you know what I mean? And you're already on rations, aren't you? Yeah, you, you that's haven't right. Because you haven't that's got a load right. of food. And they'd be lined up outside our gates, so it was very bad. Um, but that was sort of the – and a lot of the divisions, Germans had given themselves up. Did you see any of the atrocities? I mean, there's there's a lot of talk at the moment around the Holocaust and um, did you did – you, did you see any of the atrocities that the Nazis had? Um... I was actually in Belson. Okay. So 24-year-old Don, what was that, Don? It's the most... It was the most... Boston, I, I, I'll never forget what I saw. Uh, Can you describe what it? What I'd me, seen. Uh, what, what happened, we were moving up and our engineers, uh, one of them, one of our companies had the job of burying all these in Belson, yeah? Wow. And I've got a picture, actually, of of one of the guys in a tractor with a blade and he's picking the dead up. Oh, and my life. Putting them in, yeah. And uh, something I'll never forget. No. And the, the smells. The and smells are just... terrible. And And... I mean, although I was still young, I stood back and and wondered. And and over the years, it still comes to me, why do humans want to do that to one another? I know. And and when when you are part of a fighting force and you've just, you've lost a lot of friends, you've lost, you know, colleagues, et cetera, et cetera, and you see these poor individuals who have been subjected to such inhumane treatment, you understand why we, as a collective, as the Allies, why we went to war and the sacrifices that were that took place at the time by the Allies, it balances out with the human loss of the millions of people that died in the death camps. So I thank you, mate, for, 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 for that. But... How I mean, I'm assuming that there were there were survivors, obviously still in Belson. How did? Oh yeah. Don't. How how did they differentiate? Because it's it's written that um, a lot of Nazis try to change their appearance to to filter into the the inmates so that they weren't captured. The SS weren't captured by the Allies. What was that like? I mean, you've got because you've got two types of prisoners here. I'm asking you lots of questions, but you've got two types of prisoners. You've got the prisoner, you've got the old boy who's given himself up, had enough, and then you've got the SS who have just gone down the Hitler route of extermination. How how did that make you feel? Well, at the time, it didn't make me feel anything. It's, it's only afterwards yeah. that I, I thought that um, there was a lot. You know, a lot of them have gone. In fact, there was, uh, you've probably seen that, they've they done films about tracing these uh, guys that got away for it, got away with it, didn't they? Yes, they did, yeah. yeah. After it. So, yeah, right. Simon Wiesenthal, um, he's, his association went around the world finding the, the Nazis. They were Nazi hunters. Yeah. And, and that's a fascinating story in itself. So you're in Belson. And you've got starving Jewish, gypsy, you know, anybody that was um, considered to be socially inadequate was, was put into into the concentration camps. I did. I I I didn't spend a lot of time there. We um, we just uh, more or less I escorted being a donor. I escorted the. Our guys down there, that yeah. was, and then off we went after. But uh, I wouldn't. I couldn't. Something that stays with you, though, mate. Yeah, I couldn't. So, where did you finish the war? Where was your last? In in um, near Hamburg. In Hamburg, yeah, yeah. Okay, so VE Day comes along. What happens? What happens on VE Day in Germany? I mean, we know what it. We've seen all the pictures that of. Um, 
Piccadilly Circus, Trafalgar Square. We've seen all the parties, and you know it's it's well recognised that the Queen um, and Princess Margaret they went out and celebrated VE Day as well. What was that like in Germany? Well, not not very much. Nothing really happened in the village. The best thing was, uh, um, I, I, I learnt drumming when I was in the army. Yeah, oh, did you? And um, so in the village, there was several uh, shops and places that were evacuated. Not, yeah. And there was this little tiny restaurant that we turned into a club. Right. And I got a set of drums from the uh, Naffy, and we had a, had a guy with a accordion, another one with a trumpet, and we turned it into a little club. We called it Duffy's Tavern. Wow. Right. And I had a guy there like Del Boy. He would go down to Nuffy and come back with loads of stuff, you know. And that's where I spent my last... Last few days in Yeah, in until I got demobbed. So you got demobbed from Germany or did you yeah. come back to UK? No, no, I got demobbed from Germany. Wow, what was that like? I mean, because you, you've seen, I've seen the pictures of them being demobbed here, getting a suit, getting, you know, getting their travel warrants or whatever. What was that like for you? Well, I was I'd made a lot of mates, you know, and they'd, we got demobbed by numbers, really. And there was a corporal in front of me. He went in front. And he went off first, and then I followed him, you know. And then we had a a guy in the unit who was very good at sketching, and he done a sketch of a jeep for the corporal, and behind. He done one me on a trailer with a set of drums and a motorbike. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I got I didn't get them out really, but I I got pictures of them, yeah. So they put you on a ship, troop ship from Hamburg. I mean it's only a short crossing, isn't it, back to the UK? Well, you went to a um you had a, they took you down uh a lorry load of you who was going and you went to this central place and then you went up towards the Hook of Holland where you got a boat across to uh, Britain, you know. To Harwich or wherever it was. Yeah. And what, what was that like coming back to the UK? How long had you been out of the, uh, had you been out of the UK? Because you'd obviously set sail from Port of London, gone through, coming to Normandy. How long had you been away from the UK? Well, I've been away. Uh, uh, well, I've been back be- once because you know a lot of people don't realise. Strangely, in a war, uh, you do get a break now and again. Oh no! And um, another one of my mates named uh, Donny Law. Law, his name was he. He'd uh, met a girl in uh, Chelmsford, and uh, he'd got permission to get married. Right. And he came out to me and said, would you like to be my best man? <laughs> I thought, good, that'll be, I can get home then. <laughs> so uh, him and I uh, came home uh, and I was best man at his wedding. Fantastic. And because I had a chance to see my wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you you come back to the UK and what what's it like after, you know, you've been in the heat of battle, you've seen all these terrible things and now you've got to normalise your life, you've got to get back into a normal life. You, did you come back to Basildon, Langdon? No, we, we, um, my, my first wife, she, uh, moved down from Hackney, but she worked for, uh, one of the big, um, companies in, that made suits and stuff okay. like that, right? And so, I don't know if you know, but when we got to know, him up to, um we got 80 quid I think it was and a suit right what a suit was when I got it home she looked at it she said you're not wearing that <laughs> and she had one made for me for, wow. for the thing but um yeah it was funny coming back um you was out of work you signed on at the labour exchange yeah and uh, they offered me a job at uh, Ford's at Dagnum. Oh, okay, yeah. 
And if you didn't take it, you didn't get any dole money. Right. That was pretty hard. Huh? So I worked in there for some time. Uh, my idea, because I, I learned a trade while I was in the engineers, electrician, wireman's trade. Right, okay. And uh, I said to the guy when I got there, is there any chance of getting on the, on the uh, staff here? You know what yeah. I mean? Just, he said, no, we have put up. He said, uh, go on the assembly line. He said, and perhaps there'll be an opening. But well, I'll tell you what, it was <laughs> heartbreaking. On it. Oh, I'll bet. What were they building then? What, what was <clears> being <throat> built in? Well, we was doing commercial vehicles and right. little small commercial. But um, I'm, I got through the grease and that, I got German tires on my hands. Right. So I was um, able to get away with it, didn't right. I? Right. And not lose any. Well, it, it was a job to find work yeah. when we came out. Yeah, I bet. I bet. And and having spent four years as part of a fighting force, you'd expect to come back and get work reasonably easily. Well, we would, uh, I'd done. Five years plus uh, you had to have a year on reserve, you know. Right, okay. Where we got. So you, you've done your five years yeah. by the time you got back. But, um, you know, being an engineer, in the engineers, it was uh, it was marvellous, really. We were the workhorse of the of the army, really. Yeah. And we'd done all the things that they wanted doing, uh, as well as going into action. Scared? Sorry? You must be scared more than once whilst you were doing all this. Well, they asked me what happened. The first thing I can never make out about, as old as I am now, I, I can't understand life really. The first thing they taught us was how to kill somebody. Yeah. When we got in there, and had, had a dummy with straw in it, and you had to charge it up, stick a bane in it, and it turn it. I didn't get. And then pull it out. Pull it out. And that's counterintuitive to what we are as human beings. We don't want to go around killing people, do we? That's not, you know, but I also understand, and, and going back to our conversation around um, the death camps, you understand why, why you know, when Poland was invaded and the death camps were going on, why we as the Allies actually got involved and, and did what we did, you know. And Because if, it hadn't, if we hadn't, the next step would have been us. Yeah, but, you know, all these wars and killings are usually generated by one person or a small crowd of people, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, they are. You know? It's one person whips it all up and then... That's it. And, and there's it. a fallout and you look at the and, despots, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean... So this, this we're going to put this out next Monday, which, um, and as I say, when you read that out, I did get a bit teary. Um the Royal British Legion do a fantastic job for former vets, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, you know, I wear my popular pride. I'm really grateful, Don, for your time. Um, is there anything you'd like to say before, you know, I press that button and, and thank you for, for your time once more? Well, so, I, you know, the Royal British Legion, like all the charities over the hundred odd years, which they've been, have done a fantastic job. Um, when I was chairman of our branch, um, Normandy Veterans Association branch is that what? Or the you yeah. you, you, you were the chair of that, weren't I you? I was chair of Southend branch, yeah. yeah. But I used to do a lot of collections in Eastgate, you know? right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, uh, not only that, Sandra's been out with me as well. We put poppies everywhere, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, uh, and the shops, things like that. And I collected over four forty thousand. Wow! And I've got a certificate upstairs from the Legion. Brilliant to say that. Um, yeah, it was very good. Yeah, and but, they, they they do a good job now. Um, and but there's also a lot of other fantastic veterans charities that, when you came out of the military, they weren't available. You no, know, that's we, right. we we talk about, and I'm, I'm, I've, I've extended this slightly, but they talk about you know. Post-traumatic stress disorder. Yeah. Now, what? What? How do you feel about that now? As a as a hundred and two year old, I had it. Veteran, I had it. Yes. Because that's how my first marriage. 
busted up. I was divorced. And it was only me. I didn't blame anybody else. And that's why Jack won't have it, but she stood by me. She was 16 when I... Right. When I... Uh, and Jack's joined. your daughter. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you got, but you've got lovely Sandra and you've got two lovely children. Well, that's a bit of fun, isn't it? I pulled into a garage for Peril one day. <laughs> <laughs> we'll edit that bit out. The um, but yeah, so you you've got a lovely you've got Sandra and lovely family. Oh, you yeah. know, and and your grandchildren absolutely adore you. I know the girls. You know, I know Jackie's girls. They absolutely adore you. Um, and I am. I will be forever in your debt for this hour that I spent with you, Don Shepherd. You. <laughs> Thanks no, I mean that. I mean that. And I know that the people listening to this today will be with yeah. me. But I, I must say to finalise it, really, um, it, it, I, I've reached nearly 103. But, um, my, my best thing is the schools that I have, that I have been with. Yeah. And, and uh, in fact, uh, there's a charity in my name at one of the schools. Is there really? Over at Hadley, um, they asked me if I would uh, donate a charity or say it, and I chose um, Prostate Council, you know. Yeah, yeah. And um, two schools, there's Infant and uh, what's the other one? Junior. Junior, too. And they have a competition on my birthday every year of collecting money for charity. Fantastic. And it's named after me. After yeah. you. And this year uh, the t- head got in touch with me. He said, um, would you mind if what they collect uh, we donate to the Ukrainian children? And they collected, what was it? About 5,000. About 5,000. Oh, how lovely. And it was sent to Ukraine, yeah. That's absolutely So it's, it's been... Um, I think the and, and Sandra Terrier, the biggest thing was this year with the Queen's Jubilee. Yeah. Uh, Sandra and I did no donated. Donated. Yeah. Uh, a small apple tree, didn't we? And we had a special day. We went over to Billericay to the school where my daughter teaches. And, um, all the kids turned out, lined up, all sang up your birthday to me. Lovely. And um, the guy, one of the local gardeners had got the tree already to put in, which we put in, haven't we? And it's doing well, it's growing. Brilliant, yeah. brilliant. But it was a marvellous day. And do you, do you know what, mate? You, you, The things that you've been through, you look at the, the law of averages, a lot of people wouldn't. You think about all your friends that were, they'll be forever young, that you've lost during these conflicts and, and what have you. And your life has been rich and you've done some fantastic things with some fantastic people. And, Don, I'd just like to shake your hand. Thank you, mate. Thanks very much. You're more than welcome. Thank you.